0: It's Thursday, February 20th. I am Martine Powers. This is an election update from Post Reports. If
1: you could use one word to describe Wednesday's debate in Las Vegas, what would it be?
2: It was rough.
0: Michael Shear is a national political reporter for The Post. He talked about the debate with our colleague Nicole Ellis.
2: We've gradually watch these things become more and more combative. And this was not gradual at all. This was a whole different level of constant attack and interruption.
0: I'd like to talk about who we're running against, a billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg.
2: Then I think that turning to someone like Mayor Bloomberg who thinks he can buy this election is no better a way to succeed than turning to somebody like Senator Sanders who wants to burn the House down. Most of the people on that stage are facing the very real prospect that in the next week week or two, their presidential dreams will be over, and they have to do something and move quick.
0: Maybe we should also ask how Mayor Bloomberg in 2004 supported George W. Bush for president.
2: Second to that, they had the 12th richest man in the world suddenly appearing on stage next to them, and they weren't quite happy about it.
0: I think we need something different than Donald Trump. I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say, we need someone richer in the White House.
2: Mayor Bloomberg has entered the race a little more than 10 weeks ago, has spent $340 million on advertising since then. It's probably a larger number now. To put that in context, that's as much money as Barack Obama spent in his entire 2012 reelection campaign on advertising. And he's done it all in a way that has been incredibly controlled. He has not made himself vulnerable in any way. And that has been really frustrating for his rivals. They haven't been able to. Land shots at him because they can't afford to compete where he is competing, which is on the airwaves. So, Mayor Mike Bloomberg was on stage and under assault almost all night on a wide range of issues from his handling of sexual harassment claims at his company to body jokes he's allegedly told in the past to his approach to stop and frisk policing, which targeted black and Latino youth in New York City for years. To his enormous wealth, which is really unprecedented for a politician on the national stage.
1: I want to kind of start with his responses to... Each sort of criticism that he got. For example, his treatment of women and NDAs.
0: He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story?
1: You hear Senator Warren press him about non-disclosure agreements and wanting to know more about his track record. And she also argues that it's not just a question of his moral character.
0: This is also a question about electability. We are not going to beat Donald Trump with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories.
1: How did he deal with that considering not really being used to being in an environment where he doesn't have control over not only his audience, but his narrative. He didn't
2: really go beyond where he's been before, and, and that is to say, he says...
3: We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how
0: many Let is Let me there? finish... How many is
3: there? None of them accused me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put – and let me put – there's agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, and we'll live with it.
2: NDAs, which are contracts that are signed often under duress. I mean, the, the idea of an NDA is you're going to get a financial settlement, usually with a much wealthier organization, in this case his company. And they're going to give you money for something that happened without admitting guilt. And in exchange, you are going to promise not to talk about whatever this thing was that happened.
3: That's not how it works. The way it works is they say, look, this is what you did to me. And the mayor comes along and his attorney says, I will give you this amount of money if you promise you'll never say anything. That's how it works.
0: Mayor Bloomberg, final word to you.
3: I said we're not going to get to end these agreements because they were made consensually and they have every right to expect that they will stay private. If they want to release it, they should be able to release themselves.
2: When he talks about this, he talks about it as a fully consensual agreement in which two parties totally agreed. And it's not an argument that goes very far. I mean, we've reported, you know, that there are people who have been part of these agreements who very likely would be willing to talk if they were set free from the agreements. And he won't acknowledge that. He says this is a contractual agreement between two parties, and it wouldn't be fair to release them from those agreements.
1: On stop and frisk, he also got a lot of pushback from Warren, Sanders, and Biden. How did he handle responding to that?
2: So this is the big policy switch that his team and and he knew he had to address from the beginning. The week before he formally announces his campaign last year, he goes to a church in Brooklyn and he gives a speech in which he apologizes, uses the word, I apologize, says very clearly that he was wrong about uh, his years of defense of this policy. And he has repeated that apology frequently since then. I think where he stumbled last night on the debate stage was in not actually acknowledging in any real way The pain the policy had caused for Black and Latino, mostly youth in New York City, and their families to know that that their communities were being targeted and that people could be stopped on the street, thrown up against a wall, patted down for doing nothing wrong other than being in the wrong neighborhood and being suspicious in somebody's eyes.
3: If I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um really worried about embarrassed about was how it turned out um with stop and frisk
2: and and that that's sort of a key political gene that politicians tend to need to have you know you have to be able to feel the pain of the people you're talking to you have to be able to acknowledge their suffering and He kind of breezed through that.
0: The language he used is about stop and frisk. It's about how it turned out. Now, this isn't about how it turned out. This is about what it was designed to do to begin with. You need a different apology here. Let's
3: get the facts straight. Let's get the order straight. And it's not whether he apologized or not. It's the policy. The policy was abhorrent. And it was, in fact, a violation of every right people have.
1: The third big topic that came up that Bloomberg got a lot of attacks on was his billionaire status. How did he handle defending his wealth?
2: Yeah, this is an interesting dilemma, and it's not one we've seen in politics. We've had wealthy people run uh, for office before, some successfully, some famously unsuccessfully. We haven't really had someone this wealthy run for office. There's a big difference between someone worth, you know, a few hundred million dollars or a couple billion dollars and someone worth— you know, 50 or $60 billion. And Senator Sanders went after it directly in saying that it was, in his words, immoral for society to allow any single person to accumulate that much wealth.
0: Mike Bloomberg owns more wealth than the bottom 125 million Americans. That's wrong. That's immoral. That should not be the case when we got a half a million people sleeping out on the streets.
2: And I think that presents an interesting question for the Democratic Party, an interesting question for the country. I think there's a lot of evidence, there's a lot of support in the country and the party for successful people being successful. I think the question is whether success that is measured at $60 billion is a problem for the society at large. And I think there is more sympathy for that point of view, given that much of the middle class for three decades now has really been struggling just to tread water while the wealthiest in the country, not just the, you know, the very wealthy billionaires, but people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, have continued to thrive.
3: Mayor, Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? I can't speak for all billionaires. All I know is I've been very lucky, made a lot of money, and I'm giving it all away to make this country better. And a good chunk of it goes to the Democratic Party as well.
2: And, and his answer on the debate stage was, I earned that money and I deserve that money, full stop. Should you have earned that much money?
3: Yes, I worked very hard for it, and I'm giving it away. And it wasn't
1: just a big pylon for Bloomberg. You know, in so many other ways, we saw really tense moments with all the other candidates going at each other. What were some of the moments that stood out to you?
2: Yeah, so there's these subplots going on on the stage. There's obviously a deep animosity, which we've known about for a while, between Klobuchar and Buttigieg, and that came out at several points in the night.
0: My bad. colleague specifically asked you if you could name the president of yes. Mexico, and your response was not. Yes, that's right. And I said that I made an error.
2: You're on the committee that does trade. You're literally in part of the committee that's overseeing these things, and we're not able to speak to literally the first thing about the politics
0: of the country you, to ourselves. Are you trying to say that I'm dumb, or are you mocking me here, Pete? I'm saying I saying that you should error.
2: It became rather personal, and and the what's going on there is that they're both basically fighting for the same vote for the the moderate non Biden. Uh, non Bloomberg vote, I think Warren was also very interesting last night uh, she She had a really disappointing result in Iowa. another disappointment in New Hampshire. She had a very tame debate performance, and she kind of turned it on in a way we haven 't seen all cycle she 's been incredibly disciplined she 's avoided attacking other people, but her message has been i 'm a fighter we know she 's a debate champion from from high school and college. Her taking apart Bloomberg the way she did, I think, demonstrated something that her supporters have wanted to see for a long time and could lead to some increased support over the coming weeks.
1: Bloomberg has been a billionaire for a while. Stop and frisk has been criticized for a very long time as well. And the criticism of how he's spoken to women, and the awareness of these non-disclosure agreements are also not new. On the one hand, this is his first debate. But on the other hand, he and his campaign saw these attacks coming. How could he not be prepared? Well,
2: his campaign, I think, is prepared for all of this. He is not prepared as a performer. Or, you know, it may not be a question of performance. He may not be personally prepared to... Show emotion or admit fault or demonstrate empathy. there was a part of me that also wasn't surprised. I was out with him last week in Tennessee, uh, and he's been campaigning pretty aggressively he He travels the country almost every day. he gives two or three events sometimes he 's meeting crowds of you know hundreds if not over a thousand at some of these events but what 's notable about them is that unlike the other candidates who have who've sort of grown into improvisational actors who can communicate their message in in the moment, in any scenario. Mayor Bloomberg's campaign style up to this moment has been 15 minutes on a teleprompter, delivering the same stump speech, and then leaving the stage. He's relied up to this point on a lot of crutches that you just cannot bring to the debate stage.
1: Do you think any of this will really matter considering he's he's not really... An option for Nevada voters or for South Carolina voters, for that matter?
2: I think it does matter uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he needs to keep climbing. He can't just keep the support he has. The stakes are enormously high right now, and he still has to make the sale with a lot of people who have not yet bought into the Bloomberg idea. That's one reason. And the second reason is I think it. this all undercuts the message of those ads. And even if More people see the ads than hear about the debate or watch the debate or read news coverage of the debate. It still will seep into the system. But maybe these ads aren't really showing you the real Mike Bloomberg. Maybe these ads are showing you an idealized version of this guy. And maybe he won't be able to go up against Donald Trump, which is really the promise of his campaign. Vote for me and I will get it done. I will spend my money. I will uh, figure out a way of beating Trump and running this country better.
0: Michael Shear is a national political reporter at The Post. Nicole Ellis is a video reporter and a guest host of Post Reports.